Welcome to the Victor Orlando Podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, stress. Anybody ever been stressed out before? A few of us few of us have. And, uh, you know, it's evident when you look at our world that we live in a stressed out world. People stressed out over everything, trying to find balance. Anybody heard that phrase? That's like a cultural buzzword right now. I need balance in my life. Uh, Trying to find balance between work and life and kids and recreation and sports and all these other things, right? And then we add in top of all these other pressures that we've got like you know, finances like bills and relationships and all this stuff like that. And now we have a recipe for a stressed out world. So how do we handle stress? See, I believe that God has something to say about whatever it is that we face in life. There's nothing this life can bring. There's no question that, that, that can be posed that God's word doesn't have an answer to. So we've just got to begin to kind of change Uh, our mind on some things and begin to get the mind of the Lord on things that we face in life. God's word has a lot to say about stress. And I I did some research this week on stress through the American Stress Institute. I didn't even know we had that, but apparently we pay people to study stress. And so uh, they have some great research out there. So it's kind of some fun statistics. I thought we'd have a little fun with this today. So 48% of people feel like their stress has been raised over the last five years. That's, a, that's, that's half of us. So everybody over here, in the last five years, your stress is elevated. That's a lot of people, 48%. 54% of people say stress has caused them to fight with their loved ones, with their family. Man, 48% of people say they lie awake at night due to stress. People losing sleep because they're stressed out. Here's one that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Last year, 2017, annual cost to employers in stress-related health care and missed work, $300 billion, with a B. Billion. That's a lot of things. If I had a billion of anything, I'd be, you know, that'd be awesome. That's a lot of billions right there, 300 of them. And, and another scientific study stated this. It said stress wreaks havoc on our mind and our body. Stress is associated with a greater risk for depression heart disease, and infectious disease. Clearly, like, stress is a relevant topic. But we've got we've to begin to see things in a different way and to see what God has to say about it. And as, as we begin to talk about stress, and I think it's important that we isolate some of our sources of stress so we know where they're coming from so we can begin to evaluate what's happening. So many of us, we're, we're stressed out over a lot of things, but maybe some of these things on this list will appeal to you. Maybe, maybe not, but just write down the ones that stick out to you. Maybe there's some other ones because this is not going to be an exhaustive list, but just some things. And, and maybe you're here saying, well, I, none of those are on my list. You just need to write down all of them. Okay, just, just know. You can write down all of them. So here's, here's a couple things that cause us stress is relationships. Yeah, how do I forgive? How do I deal with people when they rub me the wrong way? Relationships. Relationships cause us stress. Sometimes stress comes from conflict, right? Because some of us are like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to be non-confrontational. I don't like to deal with conflict. And stress, uh, it causes stress in our lives, the conflict, right? Some of us would say our biggest points of stress <laughs> come from the fact that we're married. You'd say, I'm married and it's stressing me out, right? Like I can't, you know. Then there's another group of people in the room who say you're stressed out because you're not married. <laughs> you're like, when is it ever going to happen? I, just, I can't believe it, right? Some of you are stressed out. That was funny. That was funny. 
It's all right to laugh in church. Some of us are stressed out because of deadlines, financial deadlines, deadlines at work, things, dates are bringing us uh, Stress. Some of you are like, I don't have any dates and I'm stressed out because of that. Some of us have legal problems. Some of us divorce. Maybe you just got a new job and you're stressed out trying to impress the new boss. Some of you are stuck at the old job and you're stressed out like, I just can't seem to get out of this place. I can't seem to. Some of us are stressed out on that. Some of us are stressed out over an illness. Maybe a diagnosis we just received and we're stressed out over it. Some of us, it's the expectations of others putting pressure on us and we're worried about it. Here's a big one maybe not many of us think about is unresolved sin. Right, unresolved sin because we're walking around with this sin and we know it. And so when that happens, there's shame and guilt that's associated with that. Right? And we're walking around knowing we haven't resolved it with God. And it's causing us stress. And if we never deal with it, it'll, it'll, it'll wear us out. And if that's you today, I would just encourage you, don't leave here with, like that today. Like, just leave that thing at the foot of the cross today. Don't leave church with that on your life today some of you are stressed out because football season is starting and you you need your team is stressing you out you're like lord please help the defense and all the wives said lord help us in football season the truth <laughs> the truth is there's a lot of things that want to stress us out in life but the bible has a lot to say about it jesus himself talked about it in fact he promised that we would have problems and stress <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for that promise. That's so nice of you, promising the stress. But as, in fact, Jesus did. He, he said that we would have issues in this life. And a lot of times we get off track because we think that God gave us promises. We think that when we become a Christian that, you know, we have promises in the word. And we think that because we have those, we'll never have any problems, that everything will be perfect all the time. But that's, that's not how it is. And that's not how it will be. I hate to be the one to tell you, but there will be problems. There will be stress. And that's not why God gave the promises to remove everything. And that's not why we have them. So let's see what, what Jesus said actually instead. In John 16, verse 33, he said, I've told you all these things so that in me you'll have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus was just saying in this moment, like, hey, I'm not removing everything from you. It's just that in the middle of this whole thing, like, you don't have to be stressed out. Like, you can have peace. Notice the part where he said, when you are in him, when you're in him, then you have peace. It's peace that passes all our understanding that you can't obtain from any place else but through him. Another verse, one of my favorite, comes from Psalms, chapter 34, verse 19. It says this, it says, the righteous person may have many troubles. Not a few, but many. Everybody say many. Many troubles. So you notice he's talking about the righteous. These are, this is us. This is God's people, the people in the church. Righteous people. They will have many troubles. And maybe you've prayed the prayer before. You're like, God, I've been good. I've been praying. God, can't you, can't you fix this thing in my life? Can't you take this bad thing and make everything better? Sometimes I think we think that's what God is going to do. And God can move in a moment. There are miracles that happen. I absolutely believe that. But so often we base our whole faith, our whole life, our, our whole decision-making process, everything we wrap up and, well, God, you didn't make my situation better, so what's going on? 
But see, that's, that's really not an accurate theology with what the Bible teaches us. He's not saying that I'm just going to come and take everything away from you. He's saying that in the middle of everything you're walking through, I'm with you. You're going to have peace. You don't have to act like the world does and be freaked out about the price of gas. I got you. I got you. Right? So instead of praying those kind of prayers, like, God, just make everything better. Take everything bad out of my life. It's like when I eat Cheetos. Like, Lord, please take all the trans fat out and all the other bad things and make it good for me when I eat it. God's not going to do that. Still going to make your insides orange, okay? (laughs) So those of you that don't have Cheetos, you can stop at Wawa and get a bag, and you'll see, like, in three seconds what I'm talking about. So fingers, like, orange, right? Then you want to lick it off. Okay, we're getting off. Stay on track. Come on. (laughs) instead of praying this kind of way just god make everything better instead we need to change our prayers and and begin to seek him more god i want to be more like you i want to know you more i want to know your thoughts i want to know what you're speaking to me and open our the bible and begin to discover who he is and how he operates and spend time worshiping in his presence and begin singing that in our own spirit break out. Begin those moments where we worship with just him. Man, because that's what he's saying. He's saying the righteous, the people that draw near to him, the people that are righteous, they will have many troubles. But as we're drawing near to him, here's the good part. The Lord delivers us from all of them. He delivers who? He delivers the righteous. Those that have set aside time to be at his feet, to, to be with him. Righteous means to be right, to be right standing with the Lord. Then he gives us a semicolon there and goes into one of my favorite verses in verse 20. I pray this over my family every day. He says, he protects all of his bones. Whose bones? The righteous person. He protects all of their bones and none of them are broken. Come on, Jesus. Lord, thank you for protecting all of our bones and none of them are broken. See, it's the righteous. Those instead of saying, Lord, just make everything, everything better in my life. No, 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 Lord, let me be closer to you. Let me know your ways. There's a lot of ways of dealing with stress. There's a lot of self-help books. You can stop at Barnes and Nobles and pick up a few. But the problem with self-help books is you helped yourself into the mess. So how are you going to help yourself out? Don't work like that. We can't help ourselves out. So we need to begin to get some help from on high from what God has to say. So I want to look at a couple principles today from Psalms chapter 62 about what God is saying and ways we can uh, handle our stress and I want to start in verse 5. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Psalm 62, verse 5. If you've got the Version Bible app, it's a free download on your app store. You can get that. But I want to read this to you, and I want you to listen and hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you to strengthen you today. He says this. Says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. Do you know there's a place where there's rest for your soul? He says, my hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock, and He is my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Doesn't matter the trouble. You know, there's no mention of the trouble. It's I will not be shaken because my fortress, my salvation, and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock. He is my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. Pour out your hearts to Him for God is our refuge. You can hear the psalmist telling himself. He, you, I, I picture him as he's writing this in the middle of a problem. And he's writing this, take refuge in the Lord. And then he writes this word, Selah. It's written 77 times in, in Psalms. And it's a Hebrew musical term to like pause and reflect. So what they'd be doing is these Psalms were, were meant to be sung. So the instruments would be playing. They would be singing like we just were. And then all of a sudden it would get to my favorite part of the song, the killer guitar solo. And that's because I used to be the one playing the killer guitar solo. Be like, 
<laughs> you know, like it's the instrumental part where we say la. We're meant to stop at that moment and reflect. What did we just sing? Just think about those words, say la. Kind of reflect on those moments. It's, see, that's the power of worship. The power of worship is not because we sang a song, right? The power of worship is in reflecting on God and who he is and what he's done. And the majesty and the goodness and the glory of who he is. Like, there's power in worship when we worship. That's why, that's why Jesus said that people, he's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's better when we worship him on key and we're singing on key. Some of us can't do that. And that's all right. That's all right. You can still worship. But that's what he's talking about is worshiping in spirit and truth. Is that it's way beyond a song that we sing. Right? It's this, it's this with him. That's where the power in worship is. And when we can slow down, we can reflect in his presence. And I'm just telling you that in those moments of worship, man, there's peace there. There's rest for your soul. There's no confusion that, that is out there that can withstand his presence, that will stick around. There's no fear that can withstand in his presence. I'm going to start preaching if y'all don't start amening in this place. I'm bringing it. Psalmist continues in verse 9. He says, Surely the lowborn are but a breath. It's just like saying average people, like, we're, we're here one minute, we're gone the next. Our life is short. Time is short. The highborn are but a lie. That's the highborn. He's talking about people that we view as successful, right? We think they're successful. We look at their earthly success and are like, man, they got it all. But it's a lie. We see it and we think, well, it must make them happy, but it doesn't. It must fulfill them. It must have everything, their heart desires. But it's a lie. That's what he's saying here. It doesn't matter. If, if, I, if weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. He's just saying, it doesn't matter where your state in life, your status. We are all in the same condition. Time is short. Time is short. So don't trust in exhortation. Don't put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, don't set your heart on them. Like, hey. Don't fall in love with that stuff. Don't fall in love with it. And don't think it's going to make you happy either. It ain't. It ain't going to make you happy. So there's lots of things out there vying for our attention, vying for our affections. Lots of things that want to cause us stress. But I want to talk about two things from this passage of Scripture that really are really huge sources of stress that we kind of need to make some adjustments in. Because God gave them to us for a purpose, and that wasn't to stress us out. So how do we handle these things? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write a couple of these things down. A lot of us, stress comes from our use of time. Our use of time. You realize that time has been given to us as a resource, and how we use it can really influence if we're stressed out or if we're using it in a good way. It's this part of the scripture where the author is saying, hey, time is short. Life is a vapor. It's all going to be weighed out one day, and how did you spend it? Time is ticking away. So we've got to somehow, some way, get a grasp on how we're investing our time, how we're using it. How, what are we using our time on? Um, I just, I, I've come to realize in my life, like, there's only so much time left. I don't know how many years I have left. But if I really want to be about what God has called me to do, if we really want to be people that are significant, that we're running after God, we're living a life full of purpose and all those things, we have to realize this one thing. And I say this very lovingly as your pastor, you know, I love you, is that you can't keep doing everything you're currently doing. We got, we got to begin to live, you know, in a, a, a more disciplined pursuit of less. So often we just start pursuing everything. 
everything. Nothing then is important. Then we lose sight of why we are made and why we are created. We've got to begin to pursue less things and begin to pursue more of our purpose. It's a good place to say amen right there. See, we've got to get to this place with the Lord where we can say, Lord, I know why I was made. And I'm going to make decisions with my time and how I use it based on that. I'm not going to bow down anymore to every little thing that society says I have to be at. I'm not going to just jump on every little thing that comes in front of me or do just every little thing that some person asks me because I'm living for my purpose. We've got to begin to make decisions based on our time that way. If we don't, we're just going to get burnt out because we're doing too much things. In the book of Daniel, there's a story about a king who was living this way. He was living the high life. He was the high born. He looked like he had it all going on in the outside. Side, but he was getting to the end of his robe quick. He was getting burnt out and he was having a party with his friends. Scripture says they're having a good time and drinking too much. And all of a sudden, this hand shows up out of nowhere and starts writing on the wall. And I wonder, like, sometimes, like, I just wish the Bible's full of details, but it's like these kind of details. Like, well, how did this hand appear? Like, was it like the Adams family, like, crawled out of a box? Is it like crawling around? Or was it just like this, like, you kind of hand, like, floating there? I want to know. Like, you asked for it. I'm asking. But we'll find out one day when we get to heaven. This is on my list of questions. What did that hand look like? We don't know. But we know this hand showed up in the middle of this party and started writing words on the wall. And people were freaked out, as normal people would be. We pick it up in Daniel chapter 5, verse 25. The inscription was written and it said this, Mene, mene, tekel, parson. The king was trying to figure out what it said. No one could figure it out. He asked all the wise men, all the wisdom of the day. No one could figure out what this meant, except he found this one Hebrew man named Daniel who knew God and could read what it said. Here's what Daniel said. Here's what the words mean. Mene means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel means you've been... Weighed on the scales and found wanting. You hear that Psalm 62 in there? Weighing on the scales. He's weighing your life. It's not adding up. Parson means your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So in summary, if we were to say it the way that, you know, how we would say it is our days are numbered. And our lives are out of balance. Things aren't adding up. And if we don't fix it, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. It's a prophecy that God was speaking to the king. And it's the prophetic word of the Lord to us today. We've got to begin to realize our days are numbered. We only have a short time. We're here one moment and gone the next. And some of us have a lot of things out of balance in our lives. And one day those things are going to be weighed. And we've got to get things in order. It's going to cost us everything. So we need to be able to honestly sit down and evaluate what's going on with ourselves You'll be able to ask ourselves, are things in balance, out of balance? We should do that as individuals. You married people, you need to do it as a married couple. Is everything in balance in our marriage? You need to do it with your family and begin to teach them to live this way. Because if you just leave it to chance, guess what? The world is going to teach them how to live the other way. We need to make adjustments from time to time. We need to make some adjustments. So we got time. Another culprit of stress we see in Psalm 62. And this is a big one. Some of you are about to squirm in your seat a little bit. That's our money. That's our money. Everybody squirms when the preacher says money. We all, we all know that st- money is a source of stress, right? 
Everybody experiences that kind of stress with money. Do I have enough? Am I going to have enough to pay the bills this month? Those of you that have a lot of money, like, how am I going to hold on to it? How am I going to make some more? It doesn't matter how much or how little of it. It can cause some stress in our lives. It's a super great thing that God gives us a whole lot about how we should relate to money. Because when we start making decisions about money and they're bad ones, how many of you know that everything starts going south real fast? And I don't mean south to Disney. I mean south, like going bad. Starts going bad. I know Heather and I, when we were first married, that's how we were. We did not make good money decisions. We were spending a lot. We weren't talking. We weren't communicating. We weren't budgeting. We made a lot of bad decisions. And we lost everything. We lost everything. And we've just got to, we came to the point in our lives where we had to make some course just adjustments. We had to change some things to get to a different place. Some of us need to do that. We need to make some changes in our lives because money is good. Money is good. We all need some money, but it's just when we begin to crave it and desire it and want it more than other things, that's when we get messed up. First Timothy chapter six, verse six, chapter six, verse six, say that 10 times fast. That'll mess you up. It says this. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Like, we've just got to make sure we can evaluate our lives. Have I let greed creep into my heart? Have I let, like, envy and desire for things creep in and take place? One more device ain't going to help you, right? And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we need to just be content with just, oh, this is just my little portion. That's all I'm going to have. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not even God's desire. God's desire is that we would have abundance, that we would have more than what we need. In fact, Deuteronomy says it is God that gives us the power to get wealth. That means that God wants us to be wealthy, but he doesn't need us to be rich. Okay, there's a difference because when, it, when I just, I need to be rich, I need to have things so that I can have my three cars and my big lake house and my, all my passes to all the amusement parks and all these other things. And those things are good. Don't under, misunderstand me. But when I got to have all those things and I need to be rich, no, I don't need to be rich. But God is looking for some people that can be wealthy, that he can get some resources to, that ain't got sticky fingers, that he can move some resources to because it takes resources to reach more people. It takes some money and some resources to build homes in Southeast Asia so that boys and girls can be safe and be rescued out of trafficking. It takes some people with some resources who can build dream centers and can buy some hope trucks and supply some groceries. But if you ain't got nothing, you can't be part of building the kingdom. We need some people in the church who can be raised up and know how to handle some wealth because we got business to do. We got a kingdom to build. We got lost people to find and we can't do it if we're just back here. Well, I guess this is all I... That's not, it's going to take some people with some resources. So God is going to get resources into the hands of people who aren't saying, my name's Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> Listen, we can get all those other things in our lives. That's great. God wants you to enjoy this life. But that's not why he gives you those things. He gives us things so that we can man, build the kingdom of God on this earth. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. That's why you ain't seen no U-Hauls behind the hearse. You can't take nothing with you. But if we have food and we have clothing, we will be content with that. He's just saying like, hey, we need to simplify some things in our desires and in our hearts. Sometimes we get so enraptured with all the things this world has. And you say, hey, hey. We need to make some adjustments here. Hey, come back over this way. We need to just be content with where we are. We don't have to be just craving everything. I'm just, I'm just as happy with stuff and without it. 
right? Because I have the Spirit of God inside of me. I can, I can be happy in a lot. I can be happy in a little because I'm just as anointed. I have the same spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead in me. It doesn't matter if I have an iPhone or if I have a flip phone. I'm still called. I'm still, I'm still beloved of the Lord. I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. None of that other stuff can possibly affect that. So why would I factor that into my decision-making process? I'm preaching good this morning. Those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. Those that want to have to have it all for themselves and plunge people into destruction and ruin. It's a strong word here. For the love of money is, a, is the root of all kinds of evil, that I've got to keep it all to myself. Some people eager for this have even wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many grief. So crazy that people that have wanted these things, money and things that are going to burn up and be trashed one day, they've literally walked away from their faith, their relationship with God for these things. I'm just happy to be in a bunch of people who realize like whatever it takes, I'm going to get this area of order in my life like it's not going to have a hold on me. I'm just, come on, we're going to be that kind of people. So how do we do it? How do we get to this place where we have rest in our souls, where we can enter into this place? Here's the word of the Lord for us today. It comes from Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It says this, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. He's basically saying like, hey, you need to take account. This is what we're doing today. We've, we've kind of created this intersection where some of us have been going down this one path, this one direction where we've been stressed out and these things are out of balance in our lives. And today the Lord is speaking to you and he's saying, hey, I need you to go this way. I need you to look. Where are you at? It's time to make some adjustments. It's time to evaluate. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. What is that? It's the ancient of days. You know, the scripture refers to him as the ancient of days. We need to find out, God, what is your paths? What is your path? Right? Because the word of the Lord is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. God, you must have a way that's better for me. We need to get back to the basics because God's way works. It's better than anything else we can figure out on our own. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is. And then do what? Walk in it. And here's the goodness. There you'll find rest for your souls. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. When we begin to walk in the way that God has for us, there that's the place of rest for our souls. But sadly, many people will say, ah, we don't need that. We won't walk in that. I'm just, we just, we're going to be that bunch of people, and we're going to find rest for our soul. We're going to follow God's way best. So today, I want to give us a couple principles as we talk about this. A couple things, because I, you don't need me to tell you how to spend your time. You don't need me to tell you how to spend your money, because honestly, each of us, it's different how we need to do that. And you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives with inside of you. You need to ask him how you should invest those things. So, but what I want to do is give us a couple principles, because that's really what my job is, to show you what the word of God is so that you can be equipped and empowered to do what God is calling us to do and speaking to our hearts to do. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write a couple of these things down today. Number one, here's the first principle is we're going to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. So if you really want to know the purpose for a thing, don't ask the thing. Ask the one who made it. So often, I think, we get that mixed up in our own lives. We realize we are the creation, right? 
And so many times people are like, ah, I know what my life is for. I know what I want to accomplish. I got my own hopes and dreams, and I'm going to figure it out. And God, this is how it's going to be. And this is how I'll allow you to work in my life. And this is how often I'll I'll include you in what's going on. But that's backwards process. He's the creator. He knows why he made us. We don't need to go looking at everything else. We need to come back to him and say, God, why did you make me? It's not our job to tell him say that again over here. It's not our job to tell him who we are, what we're going to do, how we think that our life would be best. It's our job to find out from him why he made us. God, how do you want me to live? Come on, somebody. Some of us, we need to get to this place in our lives where we know what our life is all about. Studies say 87% of people in church don't know what they're created for. They don't know what they're gifted for. 87%. And then we wonder why the church doesn't flow and work right. And we wonder why we have to always look. People are looking to the world for answers instead of looking to the church for the answers. Because so many don't know their purpose. So what is our lives all about? That's one of the reasons why we exist at Victory is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. It's our vision. That's why we exist. Without that, that, that's why the church exists. So if you don't know your purpose, man, I want to get on that journey with you. That's why we do next steps. If you've never done that, maybe you have and you don't know your purpose. Wherever you are in that journey, man, get on that journey with us. We want to help you in that process to discover who God made you to be. Because once you discover who God made you to be, man, everything else becomes just, it's easy, crystal clear. It's an easy yes. It's an easy no. Because now I'm living with purpose. I'm living with urgency. No, I'm sorry. I can't be involved in that because my purpose is over here. That would pull me away from my primary purpose. Everything becomes easy. See, the wisdom of life consists in, in removing the non-essentials. That's good. I'll let you open Instagram for a moment. The wisdom of life consists in removing the non-essentials. So what are the things that are really non-essential to my purpose? So I'm going to get my purpose right. That brings me to my next one, and that's this, is I need to put first things first. The second principle, put first things first. What do I mean by that? If I only have a short amount of time left, I'm going to make sure that whatever I do is accomplishing my purpose first. I don't want to do all the small stuff that really doesn't mean anything. I got to make sure I do things that actually accomplish why God made me first, right? Because one day we're going to leave this place. And the only thing that's going to remain are the things that we did that impact eternity. And we're going to wish that we'd spend our time that we'd spend our resources on things that impacted eternity. It's just true. You're going to wish that we had done that. So we need to begin to put first things first. There's no better way to begin to change some stress than to put God first in your biggest stress, in your biggest worries, in your biggest fears. Go ahead and put him first in those things. I know for me in my own life, I've just had to determine, I had to make some changes on what was going to be first in my life. So in my life, First is my relationship with God. It's time with the Lord. Before anything else happens in my life, I've got to make sure that that happens number one. Next for me is my wife, Heather. That's next. And then my daughter, Bella. Like, that's my priority, my family. God and then my family, right? You know what's after that? It's you guys. It's the church. But I just tell you that so that when you're like, hey, let's go. Can we, can we you know, have dinner, have coffee? I'm like, actually, I've got to pick up my daughter from school. I've got a, a date with my wife. I don't want you to feel bad because now you know my priorities. 
right? We've got to begin to make some adjustments, be clear about some things like this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to put first things first. Heather and I had to do this in our lives, in our money, because we were putting ourselves first. Right? We were doing whatever we wanted to, buying all the clothes, buying all this and buying all that. We're like, God, oh, I have this left, so you can have that. Don't work that way. We lost everything. We had to make some changes, make some adjustments, right, to put God first. So I'm not trying to convince you of this. I'm just t- telling you, you need to experience it for yourself. You don't need to try to live my experience. You need to experience it for yourself. So just over this next week, just try it. Try it. God, I'll give you the first part of my day. What, what about when you wake up in the morning? Instead of like, oh, I got to hit the snooze alarm. I can't believe I got to go to this job. Didn't you pray for the job? How about when we wake up, the first words out of our mouth, God, thank you for life today. Thank you for giving me life because tomorrow is not promised. I got today, so thank you for putting me in it. <laughs> Come on. Man, everything begins to change in an instant. So how do we spend our days? How do we spend our days? Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here he's throwing it back to this righteousness thing. Those people that are seeking the kingdom, not seeking to hold on to everything. They're seeking the kingdom. They're seeking to know him, to be righteous, to be right with him, to be close to the Father. Those people, man, all the, everything will be taken care of. Everything will be added to you. You won't have to worry about anything. You don't have to be stressed out. God's going to make sure you have everything. Everything else is going to fall in line and fit right in there. You're going to have your beach days. You're going to have your passes. And you're going to have all the good things. You'll still be able to subscribe to Netflix and all that stuff. It's going to be good because we're seeking the kingdom. I know what my resources are for. And I know how to get it into the hand. I know how to get it into places where we can build things, where we can build dream centers all across our city, where we can build churches here in Florida and all around the world. Man, Because we're seeking the kingdom and because I'm drawing in close to my father right the righteous here's the third one the last principle how we can fix things in our lives fix our time and our money so that like psalm 62 says we can find rest for our souls invite the band to come back up at this point is this i need to keep my heart set on heaven i need to keep my heart set on heaven see because even after all these other things Even after we weigh things out, we get things in balance, we start getting our time in order, our money in order, we're putting first things first. Even after we're we're, we're not feeling as stressed out, there's still going to be issues. There's still going to be things that come. There's still going to be those things. And so many times we get mixed up in that, but we've got to begin to realize, we've got to begin to set our expectations of this earth a little bit lower. Lower our expectations of the earth. Why would I do that? Why would I lower my expectations? Because this earth was never meant to be heaven. Heaven is the place where there's no more tears, where there's no more sorrow, where there's rejoicing, where we're with the Lord forever. But this earth was never meant to be heaven. This was never meant to be our home. We are just passing through and one day we'll be gone and we'll be in that place. But too many times we kind of elevate our expectations of this place and we get messed up thinking well if everything doesn't work out right for me here then we've got our expectations of this place set too high that if it doesn't work out perfectly then well god must not have come through for me no we've got our expectations of this place too high. we've got to lower our expectations of what we think is going to happen on this earth and begin to fix our gaze on heaven to fix our gaze on eternity because those are the only things that are going to last 
These last few months have been a, a, a different season for me. My mom passed at the beginning of January, and so I had to travel overseas to China where she lived and take care of some things. And it was, a, you know, a difficult time. And I remember as I was over there, I was sitting in her apartment, and I was praying, and I was just, you know, I was having this moment and emotions and all those things that we should have in those moments. We have to allow that kind of soul healing time where we, we work through those things. But so I was talking to the Lord and just missing my mom and wishing I could just talk to her in that moment. I was reading and I felt God brought me to the scripture. And I want to share it with you today. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, everything seems to be going wrong. I'm stressed out, can't seem to get ahead. Just everything's wasting away. But inwardly, being renewed day by day because Lord it's in your presence just every morning I just get up and I don't have the strength for today day by day I need to draw closer to him I need to say a lot I need to reflect on what you've done for me because if I don't I'm going to forget to thank you for all the good that I have day by day day by day I need to be renewed inwardly for our light and momentary troubles And some of us, we don't feel like our troubles are light and momentary. You feel like they're heavy and long-lasting, right? And honestly, Paul, he's writing this from a dungeon after he's been beaten and thrown in this prison. And his troubles were not light. They were not momentary. But he's writing this, our our momentary and light troubles. It's because he's he's not fixed on those things. He's He's got his gaze on something else. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Like how How would that work? How do we do that? So he goes on. We fix our eyes, not what, on what is seen, but what, on what is unseen. I say, I'm not looking at all this. All this doesn't matter. I'm going to fix my eyes on what is seen. Since what is seen is temporary, it's subject to change. But what is unseen is eternal. It's like, I just need to begin. To, we need to change what we're looking at. Change what I put my expectations in. I know there's going to be issues here. And that's why I can have peace in it. Because I'm not expecting it to be perfect. I'm expecting problems to come. I, I know they're going to be there. But I know that because of day by day I'm being renewed. That God's going to deliver me. He's going to give me peace. He's going to set my foot on another path that I can walk high in the storm. That I don't have to be overtaken and drowned in that storm. I can come out the other side because I know one day I'm going to be with him. That's really why this scripture calls it the blessed hope. Because one day we're going to be there. Man, what a great day that's going to be. We're going to be with the Lord in heaven, y'all. Come on. That's the gospel right there. That's the hope of salvation. That one day we'll be with him forever. That's where our hope, that's where our expectation should be, right? And man, maybe you, you hear you've never heard about Jesus in that way, but that's the good news of the gospel, that one day we can leave this place and be with him and not have to go to the other place to be separated from him. Because there's going to be one of two places. You're either going to be in heaven or you're going to be in hell. There's no alternative. And it's just based on what we do in this place. What we did in this place that impacts eternity. What do you mean impacts eternity? The decisions I make today, whether I allow Jesus to be the Lord of my life, impacts where I'm going to spend eternity. Simple as that. We need to just begin to live in this way. Jesus had this same discussion with his disciples. In John 14, he's talking to them. He says, hey guys, don't let your heart be troubled. I know the world is crazy, but don't let your heart be troubled. You notice he didn't like gather them around. Like, guys, let me just pray for you and then everything will be good. He didn't say, let me take all your troubles away from you. Look where he goes. Look where he goes next. 
says, my father's house has many rooms. Wait, Jesus, hold up. We're talking about stress today. You said, don't be stressed out. Now, why are you talking about heaven? Listen, my, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, wouldn't I have told you that I'm, I'm going there and prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back for you and we'll be there together. And Jesus is saying, I got something better for you. Far better than anything that this world could give you, any better good thing that's here, I've got something better for you. Come on, let's just take this moment and just, just let's pray together and kind of reflect on that and what the Lord has done. Let's just say la in this moment together. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us, that you rescued us. 